Good evening, Kilian listeners, and welcome to this week's interview with your host, Anthony Drago. Uh, can you believe that tonight is the episode number 31? We are in season 11 of this week's interview, and um, we are on episode number 31. So welcome if you're listening to us on TDN Radio or you're watching us on TDNTV.net. Those on India Isle, uh, some of you may be listening um, through our our sister station, um, our sister station, RVR Jams on Digiplay Channel 59. Um, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I always um, welcome you. I appreciate you making this weekend interview part of your weekly schedule. And if tonight is the first time that you listen to this weekend interview, a special welcome to you as well. Uh, tonight, I have a very distinguished guest um, in the person of uh, Dr. Andre, Irving Andre. Uh, he is uh, a legal mind, an, an author, a historian. He carries many, many hats. And tonight, I invited him on um, to as part of the leadership, the good leadership series that I launched a few weeks ago. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to 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 the conversation that we're going to have. You see how a privileged um, position that I have as the host of this week in interview. Last week, I spoke to this dynamic young lady um, from business and professional women in Dominica. And tonight, I'm, I'm talking to a distinguished um, judge and, and, and well-rounded, accomplished gentleman. So I'm anxious to get back to our conversation. So I'm going to take our usual um, early break where we play the Caricom Anthem and when we come back I'll, I'll be joined on the line by Dr. Andre. So stay tuned, you're in for a very special treat tonight. From many distant lands our forefathers came some seeking adventure some bound in chains Through battles waged and fought Through victory and pain By test of their courage Our freedom was gained In homage to those gone before us The heroes of lands in the On building one Caribbean Raise your voice and high Sing of your Caribbean pride Sing it loud and strong Feel the heart beat as one Celebrate in song As we rise to heights where we The Queen. 
Welcome back, listeners, and it's always a pleasure to hear Mikkel um, as she does this excellent job on the CARICOM anthem. Uh, as I said before the break tonight, my guest on this speaking interview is Dr. Irvin Andre. He is a, a, a judge in, in, in Canada. I think the, he will give us some more information, but he's um, in the Supreme Court in Brampton um, in, in Canada. He attended um, University of the West Indies. Um, he is uh, an alumni of the St. Mary's Academy, which is one of the esteemed um, high schools in Dominica. Being a grammar school boy, you'll never get me to repeat that, but yes, St. Mary's Academy <laughs> is an esteemed high school and has produced uh, many and illustrious um, men who have contributed so much to to Dominica and, and, and internationally as well. He, he, he studied in the US and um, continued and did law school in Canada. His bio is broad and wide and I'm deliberately just skimping over it because um, it's, it, 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 it's, it, he's, he's really very, very accomplished. Um, he has his doctoral degree in, 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 in law um and um he was appointed a justice in 2012 <clears throat> in the supreme court uh, in brampton as a, as i mentioned he's received numerous accolades and awards um he has received um the dominican of distinction award um black history makers award and so on um we, we're going to talk to him i'm going to have him introduce himself to you it's the first time that he's on the program with me. I believe that he's been on the program before with um, Thompson, when Thompson used to host this weekend interview, but the first time that he's with me. And so I'm extremely um, humbled, uh, but, but, but glad that you could um, join me tonight, Dr. Andre. So welcome to this weekend interview. Anthony, for inviting me uh, to your program. Uh, I have obviously uh, heard a lot of it. I'm also happy to be on TDN Radio. Uh, I have had the pleasure of uh, speaking with Dr. Fontaine on numerous occasions. Uh, let me say good evening to your great listeners. And let me say good evening to all those who dream and aspire to see a better Dominica and a better Caribbean. And suffice it to say that it is a worthwhile journey. It's a worthwhile cause to be involved in. But it's a pleasure to be here this evening. It, it, it's a real pleasure to have you, and I, I will say that I do um, 
follow some of the programs that you you you're very um deviant and very very um open with your with your knowledge and so you you are you're normally on the radio and um and I, and I follow a, a lot of your your contributions and so i'm really i'm really happy that you're here tonight the the reason why i i invited you at this at for tonight in particular is because i came across an article um, that said that you had released a book recently, I think probably it's in April or so, you released a book um, on, on Rosie Douglas. Rosie Douglas being one of the, the prime ministers of Dominica, albeit it was short-lived because uh, his death, I don't know if any death is untimely, but he was only in office for eight months um, before um, he was taken from this earth. And so uh, you wrote a book on, on his life and his contribution, not only in Dominica, not only in the Caribbean, but internationally. And because I have a series that I entitled Good Leadership, I thought uh, it was a perfect excuse to get you on. So we could talk about Ruthie Douglas, we could talk about leadership in general. And um, I, I postulate that everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, and so I am looking to, to get your most learned opinion on on that topic and and to share of course your experience and so on with the audience as we because uh, i believe that um if we have to improve the quality of life of our people it, it is going to be hinged on the type of leaders that we select to lead us so so thank you for coming again and and let's just talk about um but before we go into that i'm going to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience because there i have listeners from many of the other islands um, and, and located across the world. And so introduce yourself. Who is um, Dr. Irvin Andre? Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, before I start, uh, let me make two uh, corrections to your wonderful introduction. I am actually an, uh, a, a graduate of Dominica Grammar School. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the only thing is um, I taught at the St. Mary's Academy on two uh, oh. separate occasions. In fact, uh, one of one of my distinguished students is a gentleman uh, called Cuthbert Cuthbert Joseph, who makes his home in Boston. And uh, to the extent that we are talking about leadership, here's a young man who epitomizes to a significant degree all those fine qualities of leadership that hopefully we're going to talk about. We are talking about selfless service. We are talking about humility. We are talking about magnanimity. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about someone who is not filled with himself. Someone who takes himself too seriously as opposed to taking his or her work seriously. So when we're talking about leadership, I assume that these are the qualities that you're speaking about. Uh, in terms of my own personal odyssey, it, it is not dissimilar from that of thousands of other West Indians who had to make do and who aspired to realize their goals and ultimately to do so outside of the region. Uh, I was actually born in Kerasu. My folks had gone there to work during World War II. I grew up in Dominica. I attended the Dominica Grammar School, the Sixth from College, University of the West Indies, Johns Hopkins University, and the Osgoode Hall Law School in, in Canada. I was animated and motivated by one student passion that uh, while I'm not a biblical scholar like people like Cuthbert Joseph, um, I believe in the parable of the talents, that each of us 
has been given some special gifts and we have an obligation to make as much of those gifts as possible. I believe that uh, we are here um, to make a contribution and our individual successes will be measured not so much by our individual accomplishments, but the extent to which we share those accomplishments with others. And I think that is another essential tenet of good leadership, the extent to which we inspire others to make the most of the gifts or the talents or the seeds that they've been given. So when in my respectful view, we speak about leadership in the political context, these are some of the qualities which, which we must look at. And in trying to define leadership, we cannot confine ourselves only to Caribbean leaders. Uh, we have to understand the type of leadership um, uh, that we've borne witness to in different countries and see to what extent we learn from them and to see what, to what extent we can emulate those qualities which define good leadership. Take, for example, how can we talk about good leadership within the political sphere without making refer reference to the Gandhian, as in Mahatma Gandhi's humility? How can we speak about le political leadership without taking into consideration the generosity and humility of someone called Nelson Mandela? How can we talk about the altruism and honesty of leadership without making reference to Edward Oliver Leblanc? How can we even talk about leaders um, without, as I said, appreciating the selfless contributions of many individuals, even the controversial ones such as Winston Churchill and his famous speech in which he indicated during World War II, I have nothing to offer but blood, tears, toil, and sweat. And we'll have occasion to speak about Rosie and those qualities which, in my respectful view, made him an exceptional leader despite his limited tenure as prime minister in Dominica. So this is how I look at the whole question of leadership. Leadership, in my view, you involves altruistic leadership. It involves exemplary leadership. It involves inspiring leadership. It involves selfless leadership. It involves service, service to country, service to the citizenry of any country. That, in my respectful view, is what we will be focused on. And if I'm presumptuous in telling you what I think we will be focused on, then you have more to you. But certainly the tenor of your presentation suggests to me that you are trying to focus on those qualities which define exceptional leadership. And many persons have argued cogently that what we have now afflicting the Caribbean is a phenomenon of leadership, true leadership, genuine leadership being a scarce commodity, true leadership being an endangered species. And the question is, what can we do to reverse that trend? This, in my view, is where we hopefully will start the, the discussion. And I leave it to you to set a course, to set whatever course you want in terms of our discussion this evening. So certainly, uh, and my audience is well familiar with me and my and political rant, if you want to call it that, uh, because I think um, leadership uh, determines everything. And, and while we focus on, on political leadership, uh, I also 
think of political leadership, both in terms of who is in government and who is in opposition, because the opposition has has a role to play in, in, in leadership, because we know that the Rosie Douglas, who we eventually are going to get to talk about, he spent more time out of government. He got to practice leadership much more out of government than he did as the leader, of, as the political leader of the country. And I, when I looking at your bio, I, I see that you you have published um, the biographies of many leaders um, from the, in the country, business leaders. And, and and in the social sphere. So it, it, in listening to your intro, you you two things stood out at me. One, you you repeated service several times. A, a leader has to has to be willing to serve. But you also spoke about um, inspiration. And and in my book, inspiration is achieved much more from people observing the character and the behavior of a leader much more than than what the leader says and and so uh and you being a, a, a legal person i also want to take the discussion a little bit in in the direction of how much is a leader supposed to be bound by the constitution of a country and is it possible completely account for what we call the human human weaknesses by having a constitution that is airtight or watertight or are we are we eternally going to be victims of um depending on a leader who is a statesman to put the, the interests of the people before his own interests um so i i would like you to comment on that uh, a, a bit um because a, a lot of times um, when we observe the leaders in the country, um, the criticism is that our constitution is not strong enough. What What is your view on that? I have heard criticisms or critiques of our constitution. Many of these critiques are valid, but in my respectful view, that is not the problem. Mm. The problem is not the constitution. The problem rests within the caliber of those who sit at the table in terms of leadership. The problem rests with the willingness of those who occupy the seats of power to adhere to the Constitution. For example, the Constitution provides that there shall be an official opposition. The opposition is part of the government. Let me give you an example in nearby St. Lucia. The recently appointed Prime Minister of St. Lucia, one of the first things he did, demonstrating a certain degree of magnanimity that is conspicuous by its absence in other parts of the Caribbean, he declared that he will pay the leader of the opposition a salary which is just a short, which is a little bit less than that of a minister of government. He will provide them with funds for their constituency offices. He will ensure that they play the role prescribed in their constitution. Now compare and contrast that, Mr. Drago, with what may obtain in Dominica. 
a situation in which the opposition is harassed, persecuted. The criminal laws weaponized against the opposition. People being told by leaders to throw hot water on those who constitute or are viewed as the opposition. Persons who dare to express their democratic right are shunned, are deprived jobs, but they are taxpayers. So in my respectful view, this is not a matter of the constitution. Let me give you an example of Edward Oliver Leblanc. And he was in power from 61 to 74. When a foreign owned, when a foreign professional owned land in Dominica and a local Dominican could not access his land because that foreigner had precluded him or prevented him from accessing his land. Edward Oliver Leblanc dispatched a bulldozer to bulldoze a path across the land of this foreign person to the land of the Dominican because his philosophy was simple. The being a Dominican carries with it a certain amount of rights and privileges and that no one should be able to take away that right with impunity. That is leadership on behalf of your people. And when during a crisis in 74 in particular, Mr. Leblanc sought to quell some domestic strife and a prominent business owner, grateful to Mr. Leblanc and his government for acceding or seeking to protect the rights of that business person, made gifts of expensive shirts. And Leblanc said to him, I only have one back. <laughs> Mr. Drago, I, I know you're a well-traveled man. I know um, you're a distinguished man, but you may know where Rosie Douglas lived, a modest two-story house, a house with perhaps two bedrooms and one washroom, a house with a wooden veranda, a house right next to the Portsmouth market, a house in proximity to the rum shops of the town a house which was surrounded by persons walking to the market, away from the market, going to church, coming to church, right in the midst of his community, without so much Mr. Drago as a bodyguard. There were no fancy Pajeros or these big ubiquitous black GM vehicles which carried scores or at least many bodyguards. Whether for show or for security, we do not know. The essence, another aspect of leadership, the whole question of humility. That is another tenet of leadership, which is conspicuous by its absence in the Caribbean that we know today. There is no very few men of the people persons who can walk around without any fear of being harmed, persons who can walk around and be surrounded and their hands shaken by their own people because there is an organic embiotic relationship 
between these leaders and their people. Where have these leaders gone? Mm -hmm. Have they disappeared from the landscape? What do we need to bring them back? Do we need to clone some type of plant or someone's bones to be able to resuscitate that bounty of values that we boasted of in the past? Dominic is a small country. We may be poor in resources, but not human resources. We've produced many folks, many leaders in different fields, not just in politics, but in law, in religion, economics. You have a number of Dominicans who've distinguished themselves in the United States, in medicine, in economics, in agricultural economics. They have set the stage. They have understood the almost biblical injunction that by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread. And I know, Mr. Drago, in your case, it's eating steak as opposed to bread. I understand that. <laughs> they understand the intimate relationship between struggle and achievement. They understand that it is only through a body or corpus of works that they can attain the academic distinctions such as doctor this and doctor that. Because they understand that despite their underprivileged background, despite the modest upbringing, despite their modest surroundings, they had a wealth of values. Values instilled primarily by mothers in high school, in the generation before me, the students would be taught, you are the artificers of your future. Waste not, want not. What do you do to the least of my brothers that you do unto me? And when you read the Bible, and I have to be careful here, you have some very ballooned people listening to your program. Wrong <laughs> biblical thing, I have to be careful. the parable of the ten lepers. How many of them came back and say, thank you. How many of them came back to Dominica and say, here is my contribution for the wealth of opportunity that you generation. And what did the father say? Were they not ten? But only one came back. Only one came back. Only one came back. And let's face it, and I'm not a biblical scholar, but the father, he broke bread with lepers and prostitutes. Not these high society people. He didn't go into the mansions of the day. He didn't go to the parties of the Pharisees. He interacted with the wretched of the earth those who were regarded as not worthy of consideration. The Nazarenes. These are the people he interacted with. The humility of the man. That is another component of leadership that, in my view, we lack in the Caribbean today. You see, leadership is not the opportunity to separate yourself and to lord yourself 
over persons you grew up with. Let me, let, let me speak to you, Mr. Drago, and I know you're a man of distinction, and I, and I, 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 I will not offend you in any way, but this is serious business. You made reference to one of the books, a few books I wrote, a few of them, and the biography of one of these leaders, and I'm not going to call the gentleman's name, but in writing that biography, you know something, Mr. Drago? When I gave this gentleman the first draft, you know what his critique was? His critique was this. Why did you mention my mother so many times? <laughs> he had a humble background. And his critique to me was, why did you mention my mother so many times? And that said it all in terms of his attitude. And obviously, it said it all in terms of his own conception of leadership. Getting an education, having a good job, gave him the ability to separate himself from his roots. From his beginnings, huh? To sever that past, that umbilical cord to his ancestry, his humble ancestry. That, in my view, is a negation of good leadership. No, certainly. So, so uh, Dr. Andrew, what are we going to do? We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I, I like the trend where it's going. Uh, I want to bring your knowledge of Ruzi Douglas into the conversation. And maybe to highlight a few of the characteristics of Ruzi Douglas that would be, if emulated, would, would result maybe in an improvement in the quality of leadership that we have in the Caribbean. So, so listeners, stay tuned. This is very interesting. And, and take a quick break away from the sponsors and we'll be right back. Presented by. Hi, have you always wanted to learn how to paint but felt that you didn't have the talent to try? Well, pick up that paintbrush and join me, Nicole Georges Bennett, for Art and the Word on TDNTV.net, Wednesdays at 10.30 a.m. with repeats on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Join me for an exploration through art appreciation and biblical inspiration on Art and the Word, tdntv.net, Wednesdays at 10.30 with repeats on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Let's paint. If you live in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and are looking for Dominica products including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop on BuyDominicaOnline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on BuyDominicaOnline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to BuyDominicaOnline.com and enjoy Home Away From Home. People say I've got a great smile. Well, I have to say, this is all thanks to the professional team at Beacon Dental Group right here in Dorchester, Massachusetts. I've got world-class dental care. Beacon Dental Group has expert and caring staff dedicated to providing the most advanced and satisfactory treatment in all aspects of oral health. Their services are designed to meet your needs and give you a perfect smile, too. 
general checkups, cosmetic surgery, Gemini laser service, and advanced procedures, all in a state-of-the-art facility. Call or visit Beacon Dental Group today, 1026 Blue Hill Avenue, Dorchester, Massachusetts, or call 617-282-2146 for a smile that lights the world. Social distancing means solidarity. Play your part to help control the spread of COVID-19 and keep yourself and others safe. Limit social gatherings. Avoid crowded areas like bars and restaurants. Keep three to six feet away from each other. We may have to stay apart, but we're all in this together. A message by the Health Promotion Unit of the Ministry of Health, Wellness and New Health Investment, Dominica. All right, welcome back, and thank you to the sponsors of the program. In case you joined us late, my guest tonight on this weekend interview is Dr. Irvin Andre, Dr. Actually, Justice Irvin Andre. Um, he he's joining from from Canada, where he resides. He is an author. Uh, he's an academic. Um, he certainly uh, has a wealth of knowledge. And one of the things that I, I really admire about him is that he always makes the time to share. He always makes the time to, to engage. And, and I think that is valuable. And, and before the break, um, he, he spoke about leaders and leadership being in and among, and among the people. And, and I think um, Dr. Andre is a perfect example of that because he doesn't hesitate to say yes um we can we can discuss on that topic um and maybe somebody can be might be influenced by the discussion that we have so so the contribution is 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 tremendous and it continues uh dr dr andrew one of the reasons that i said i brought you on is because your book um about ruthie douglas fearless um freedom fighter of fearless fighter for freedom. You were correct in the exact title. Um, but most Ruzi Ruzi developed a reputation as as a rebel, as as someone who was unafraid, um, and also someone who had um, innovative ideas uh, about about leadership, innovative ideas as to how we as a people can use our creativity for the benefit of the region. I remember the first time that Ruzi announced or made made the pronouncement that that because Dominica was between Martinique and Guadeloupe, Dominica was on the doorstep of the European Union, and 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 that thought was probably beyond some comprehension at the time because they tried to ridicule and and and, and all kind of reaction. But those are the kinds of of memories that I have of of Ruzi Douglas. Um, he was an international man, so in my memory, he didn't spend a lot of time, enough time in Dominica for, for us to get to know him intimately. And, and because of that, um, your book, your book is welcome because it gives, probably gives a more intimate view of, of the man, Ruzi Douglas. Um, but what I want you to do is, is in talking about Ruzi and the characteristics 
in your opinion that would have made him stand out as a leader in the Caribbean if he did not pass so so early after becoming prime minister? What are some of those characteristics that that our current leaders can emulate that would that would result in a more effective um, and, and would bring better results for for the people? Thank you for the question, um, Anthony. You made reference to Rose's belief that Dominica being situated between Guadeloupe and Martinique should seek a closer association with France. And you are absolutely correct. He was ridiculed. Uh, he was ridiculed because the Pharisees, the political Pharisees of the day, held that that Rose's policy amounted to nothing more than a reversion to colonialism. But Rose's policy displayed or put on show two, at least two, probably more qualities of exceptional leadership. He was daring. He did, was not trapped in an ideological straitjacket. Bear in mind that in the late 80s, he was dismissed as a communist, uncaring, selfish opportunist. But he did to dream beyond the boundaries of his beliefs. But not only that, not only that, he was a pragmatic individual. And one of the persons who may be listening, Mr. Drago is a lady from Guyana, economist. Her name is June Ward, close associate of Rosie, for almost 30 years. And she will relate or she relates that even in the 70s, before Rosie was deported to Dominica, Rosie had organized and established a network of linkages and associations with a number of groups, white, black, blue, brown, indigenous, and otherwise. He was not bound by strictures or boundaries of race or class or gender. He moved effortlessly among the ranks of all, with no pretension, motivated by one central idea. He had a mission to uplift not only Dominicans, but persons of African heritage. And that is why when he was sworn in as prime minister, among the invited guests were dignitaries and ideologues from Guadeloupe and Martinique, Martin Luther King III, a representative of um, black Muslims in the United States, regional leaders, and obviously the masses of the people. Because to them, Rosie was a kind of transformative, almost messianic leader. He envisioned Mr. Drago serving only one term as in T-E-R-M. He did not regard himself as the owner of an estate called Dominica. He felt he was a custodian, someone who had been given a limited tenure to make a contribution. He envisioned Dominica being a, a technological paradise where universities can establish relationships with 
with uh, with with the Dominicans. That is basically the type of example. That is basically the type of philosophy he espoused. He was man of the people, but a servant of the people. He was not master of the realm. He was not King Lear, if you have a Shakespearean background. He was the person there given the privilege of making a difference in the lives of his people. Mr. Drago, he had no desire, intention, manifestation to enrich himself at the expense of the people. I've already made reference to the fact that he lived in a humble abode. I've already made reference to the fact that he eschewed living at the state house at Mont Bruce and instead spent most of his nights at that humble abode in Portsmouth, eating the food of the people. He again believed that he should provide every opportunity to Dominicans to uplift themselves. Both uh, Rosie and uh, Bernard Wiltshire, they were responsible. After Hurricane David in 79, to establish links with the Non-Aligned Movement when they attended a conference in Cuba. And they initiated the process. I should indicate that Rosie had established a Dominica Cuba friendship organization long before that in the 70s. But they initiated a process where literally hundreds of Dominican students, many of them who'd been nursed in poverty, many of them who never believed that there would come a day when they had an opportunity to become architects, to become med doctors, to become engineers. They obtained an opportunity to go study, to improve themselves, to provide for their family, to provide for their children. Selfless service or selfless role in the service of the Dominican people. And he was clear. He was clear in terms of his, his, his philosophy. And here is what he had to say, Mr. Drago, if, I, if you don't mind, in 1999, sure. one year before he became leader. Quote, we will give the people of this country a labor government, clean, decent government. We hold no grudges against anyone. Note carefully what I'm saying, Mr. Drago. It is not our objective to put money in our pocket. Mr. Speaker, our objective would be to serve the people of Dominica. That's what he said. In another speech, Rosie told the crowd during the campaign, quote, let us put an end to bitterness. Let us destroy all enmities. Let us put aside our pride and prejudices. Let us not carry albatrosses. Let our country breathe the fresh air of the new millennium as only Dominican can supply. And in terms of his character, even some of his loyal disciples were wary that Rosie's generosity may pose a threat to him. In fact, Mr. Rigo, there's a Los Angeles Times reporter called Mark Feynman 
who interviewed Athi Martin on or about February of 2000, talking about Rosie the leader. And here's what Athi had to say, quote, we have to surround Rosie with a protective cluster of people who can keep him from hurting himself. His openness, his kindness, his never say no generosity, all of it, with, all of it makes him his own worst enemy. Mr. Drago, can you imagine that even when he was prime minister, Rosie's mother, Bernadette, would give him money and would implore him not to give it away. Because that's what he's doing. He's going to school, huh? <laughs> his prime minister. Yeah. His mother is giving him money and cautioning him, don't give, it away. give it away. His brother Mike, distinguishing his own right, would say to Rosie, think of your future. Put away something for your future. You will retire one day. Man cannot live on bread, not alone. Save something. He gave it away. I can indicate into this book after speaking to many persons who were close to Rosie. Rosie would receive significant sums of money from Libya. And Rosie would live, literally give it away. Literally give it away, certainly in the 2000 campaign, to Caribbean leaders. Some of them have passed on, such as Tim Hector from Antigua, George Odlum from St. Lucia, Bernie Grant from the United Kingdom, Ralph Gonzalez from St. Vincent. Give it away to them to assist them in fighting their political battles. He kept none. You know what he kept? He kept his values. And the only thing he owned was a 10-acre plot of land in Dodan, where he grew every species of flowers, roses you can think of. As one Dodan told, lady told me, tout sot qualité roses. That was what he valued. That is what he treasured. He treasured the fact that he could make a difference in the lives of persons. Many of them, as I said before, studied in Cuba, some studied in Europe, Libya, Guyana. But the unkindest cut of all, Mr. Drago, is some of those persons whom he helped in, his, in the wake of his death. They jettisoned his values. They dumped it by the wayside and they turned it back on him. So it too brute. <laughs> so, so the, 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 what, I'm, what I'm getting from you is, is Ruse's humility, one, his generosity, but, but on, what you can capitalize with is his caring. He seems to genuinely care for people. So we have about 10 minutes left before the end of the hour. If we have to look to solutions, um, in terms of the, how you call it, the scarcity of quality leadership, the, the loss of the values that Ruzi stood for. Um, how, are we, how are we going to get ourselves out of that quandary? Um, before I, I, I let you answer, I've had guests on this program who suggest that in the brain drain, 
in, in folks leaving Dominica, folks like you and I who, who left Dominica, we, we left with the resource that could pull Dominica out of where it is right now. And therefore, we have a we, the responsibility rests on us to be able to take it out because the folks on the ground do not have the wherewithal to do it themselves. Um, but just talk in general uh, or, or specific if you want to, um, how exactly do you see us charting a path out of where we are into a different path? Because leaders, leaders come out of the community. And if leaders are a reflection of us as a people and the quality of leadership that we have right now um, and it's far from what we desire, uh, uh, talk to us about, about how, how can we start to, to make steps forward. That is not total despair, but there is actual hope that we are, will um, emerge from this dark time. There is always hope. One always has to be optimistic. And remember, again, going back to the good book, somebody who was saved in the lion's den. There's a young man called David who used a catapult, if my memory serves me right, to slay the demon of evil. So there is always hope. And bear in mind that we have to be animated and governed by a few principles to whom much is given, much is owed. You are your brother's keeper. The fact is, Mr. Drago, you have a voice, and those of us who live abroad, we have voices that perhaps would have greater impact and that would carry a greater degree of clarity because we are not constrained by the bones of vengeance that may plague the land in which we grow up. We have the benefit of living in democratic societies, North America, England, Canada. While these societies are blighted to varying degrees by the original American sin called racism and so on. The fact of the matter is they have offered us a significant degree of opportunity that otherwise we would not have had if we'd remained in Dominica. We have been able to obtain education through effort. We can appreciate what is deficient in our country and we should not join the chorus of silence. I know there is a contradiction in those terms, but the chorus of silence, we have to avoid becoming a party to it. Many of us are lulled into a sense of complacency. It doesn't affect us. I think Bob Marley, the Caribbean philosophy, stated best in one of his songs, when he indicated clearly and with great eloquence, the rain doesn't only fall on Mr. Drago's house, it falls on the houses of all of us. Mm -hmm. so this is a matter of collective responsibility. And each of us can play our individual role. No one person can transform what is happening. But if, imagine, as John Lennon did with me, a crescendo of voices, of righteous voices, of righteousness 
as in one of the songs, I can't remember the name of it, sweeping the land, a crescendo of voices, a crescendo of effort, saying that this is unacceptable. We in our own way, we have to play a part. We have to restore sanity, stability, security in the land of our birth. And in my case, the land where we grew up. We cannot be passive bystanders. We cannot do as Otis Redding did in his song, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. We cannot do like what? The little pig in the Lion King saying mutata, mutata, or whatever that is, whatever it is he said. We have a responsibility and we should all in our own way play a role in ensuring that a degree of sanity is always present in, uh, in our own island. We have to try to set the example. It is not a matter of what do we receive, what gifts do we receive. It is more a matter of who do we help and how do we help. What do we do to uplift not only ourselves, but those around us and the country of our birth? That is a fundamental question, Mr. Drago. So, so if I if I'm hearing you correct. Um, is that we should not remain silent. We should speak up. And, and and especially if we if we if we support if we if politically if our party is in power, then maybe we get listened to more than somebody like me who is perceived to be not a supporter of the government. But so you, you're saying silence is the great enemy that would make what we what what's happening now become the norm become normal we should never we should never accept what's happening now as normal we should always aspire for for that humility in leadership that opportunity for people uh, before we leave though um i have to acknowledge the the passing of one of the parliamentarians in dominica Mr. Ed Regis, the, the pilot rep for Grand Bay. So my condolences, uh, our condolences from TDN go out to his family, um, his friends, his co-workers, um, and the Grand Bay constituency, the Dominican community. Um, I, I always heard his name. He was always involved in some kind of community work, either on the youth council or in some other capacity. So, so he seemed to have embodied the spirit of service that, that you referred to earlier. I don't know if Dr. Andre, you had the opportunity to interact with Mr. Regis or, or not, but if you do, I'll give you a, a moment to, to say a few words in that regard. Uh, I certainly met him on occasion, and it's good that you're acknowledging, you are certainly expressing your sympathy and your condolences to his family, friends and relatives and so on. In a sense, he was an exceptional person. He was at one point, as you may recall, a deputy speaker. And I am told that in that capacity, he made it his business to ensure that the opposition 
received an opportunity to make a meaningful contribution to the debate. You see, honest debate, whether in parliament or in the community at large, is the fuel which drives our democracy. An honest exchange of ideas, an honest interaction without aspersions, without hatred, without any animosity is essential to the development of any society. And where that is stifled, then that is the biggest disservice you can do to your community. No one person has all the answers in terms of governance or in terms of any component of life. Right. And also, before I let you go, uh, you have to tell listen, tell listeners about your work, especially your, your written work, and where they can find your work and, and follow your your thoughts and your writings and all and everything. Well, my books are, are available, most of them, uh, in Dominica, some uh, in Washington. Uh, with respect to Rosie, I can indicate to you that a Toronto publisher approached me after one of the authors whose works they published recommended that they should offer to republish my book with the usual conditions and so on. So with respect to Rosie, I have a limited amount of time to sell in limited number of books. Uh, after that period of time, or before the expiration of that period of time, uh, I would have um, embarked on a course where hopefully by sometime next year, the book will be republished with a different cover with even more material. The book is rather thick. It's over um, a 540 page book, but we want to make it as as full as possible. And the reason why I agreed to enter in this type of contractual arrangement is that the company has significantly more resources than I do. And they have the ability to make it available to institutions, academic institutions, to bookstores across Canada and even the US, and even to print it in French. So I hope that by sometime early next year, then that revised uh, copy of the book will be published by a Toronto publisher and it will have, or it will be given a much greater access than I've been able to give it. Um, I decided to do that because Rosie doesn't just belong to Dominica. Rosie belongs to the world. Rosie touched people in Montreal, in Toronto, in the Caribbean, Jamaica, Cuba, Dominica, Trinidad and Tobago. I didn't read to you the obituaries, the comments made by Caribbean leaders after Rosie's passing. In Africa, Rosie was very much involved in the ANC led by Nelson Mandela receiving aid from Libya. Rosie was intimately involved with the struggle in Ireland. And I made references to Irish leaders who spoke in very reverential terms about Rosie. So it's imperative that as best as I can, the book received as wide a circulation as possible. 
but if there's anyone who's interested in acquiring a copy of the book, they can, if they so choose, they can send me an email. The email is very simple. It's my name without any full stops or gaps between the first and the last name. Irving is spelled with a G. And after Andre, it's at hotmail.com. So if okay. anyone's interested, they can send me an email and we can make arrangements for them to have a copy of that book. The reason why it is not on Amazon is that the contract I will sign very shortly is what we call an exclusive one, which doesn't permit other companies such as Amazon to distribute the book. So hence, it will be available, a revised version. But in terms of the original version, in terms of much of the material, many of which will find favor with a distinct Dominican reader, um, uh, that is available upon request. And I would be happy to endorse a copy for anyone who has an interest in acquiring a copy. Certainly. And what about your other book? Um, my other books again uh -huh. um, the other books uh, are available so you may see some of them at, at Amazon being sold at amazing prices quite frankly which is surprising to me most of them are available in Dominica indeed I just returned from Dominica where in Dominica in um, uh, there is a bookstore called the Jay's bookstore Jay's bookstore okay the owner has been very generous in fact, he's just acquired not only a number of copies of the Rosie book, but copies of a number of the other books, book on Dominicans in Curacao, books on how Dominica saved Guadeloupe and Martinique during World War II, which is one of the reasons Rosie tried to forge that link. Some of the other biographies, like a biography of Edward Oliver LeBlanc, the biography of Albert Cavendish Schillingford, uh, the book, A Century of Dominican Cricket, and another book called A Century of Dominican Football. So I take pleasure, I take pride in the fact that Dominicans have expressed an interest in owning and acquiring copies of those books. Indeed, I was pleasantly surprised when after a Zoom meeting, a Dominican chap, and I wouldn't call his name, called and said that he had a few hundred dollars he wants me to select as many of the books as possible. And he wants to pick it up at my home and have all of them autographed. So I mentioned that because for many years, it was stated that if you want to hide something from Dominica, you put it into a book. <laughs> I'm to report, Mr. Drago, <laughs> mm -hmm. that that may not be as true as it was perhaps 10 to 15 years ago. Dominicans have certainly expressed an interest. And to a significant degree, Dominicans abroad. I have had orders from the University of Amsterdam, from McGill, from York University, from England, graduate students um, who found a book about the book on the internet, but various books, not just the Rosie book, uh, persons writing books, persons seeking some type of background information about uh, certain aspects of the Dominican experience. Um, a, 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 a biography of Dr. Reginald Amor, and that is an exceptionally interesting um, work, to be quite frank with you, um, if I may say so myself. So it gives me pleasure. It well, gives me pleasure to do this. And as I said, uh, it is my form of relaxation. And I'm happy that at least these books, some of them have found favor 
with uh, many readers. Have you looked at the potential, or is there is there, uh, of getting some of your books into the curriculum in the schools in Dominica? Um, <laughs> that's an interesting proposition, Mr. Drago. You know there are factors that may militate against that happening, mm. but that is fine. I can indicate. Lastly, and let me let me commend my writing associate, Mr. Gabriel Christian. We've been writing since 1992, and to a significant degree, we've relied on our own resources to write. Gabriel Christian is a prolific writer. He's a patriot. But I mention his name because there's been another recent development with respect to some of the books we've produced. The University of Toronto, as we speak on my computer, there's an agreement waiting for me to sign in which we will be entering into a non-exclusive agreement with the University of Toronto, which would oblige us to provide them electronic copies of all the books we've written, and they will make it available to their professors and students, and hopefully we'll receive a modest remuneration for, for these works. So recognition is coming, but as you know, from a biblical perspective, <laughs> Not in your own country. it is more difficult <laughs> to come from your own country. But that's mm -hmm. fine. Fortunately, with persons, resourceful persons such as Gabriel Christian, these inconvenient truths have not deterred him from making his contribution. And uh, that is perhaps an example that we all in the diaspora should emulate as best as we can. Not all of us can go through the tedious task of writing, but we can make our contribution in different ways different because ways. we all have god-given talents okay so so um this is where we have to close but i'm going to give you the opportunity to, to make some parting remarks about about leadership um whatever whatever there may be um ideas that we didn't get a chance to to cover because the hour went by really fast um or, or you may want to reiterate um, some points. You want to highlight something about Ruzi. Just, just take a few moments and, and make some, some closing remarks of the idea. Yes. Uh, Rosie's life epitomized the best of leadership. Um, Rosie, the circumstances in which Rosie went to Canada, those are legendary. He called the Canadian Prime Minister, for God's sakes, <laughs> a black student from an island which very few Canadians knew about. And within a few weeks, Rosie was in Canada being met by a minister of government. Rosie came, made his mark. Rosie, to the extent that Rosie had the type of aspirations, individual aspirations, which many of us have, Rosie was offered opportunities on a platter. He, he was a visitor at the home of a Canadian prime minister. He got a Canadian prime minister to write to his father, RBD, saying Rosie is doing very well. When Rosie was arrested in, uh, in, 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 in Canada for loitering, protesting on behalf of black persons in Nova Scotia, he was given the option of paying a $5 fine or spending five days in jail. John Diefenbaker, the prime minister, then the former prime minister, offered to pay the money. Rosie said no. Rosie decided to instead spend five days in jail. Mm. 
my mother would have said his head is not good. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying to you? Yeah. He, the, 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 at every stage of his life, he made sacrifices. When, before he was tried, the Canadian Prime Minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, given the option, apologize and we will not prosecute you. One of the persons involved in the February 1969, Sir George Williams University, took that offer. In fact, after receiving a sentence of only three months, she ran for the Liberal government, lost a seat, but was made senator for life by Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Rosie said no. And because he said no, he was prosecuted. He was sentenced to jail for 18 months. And he was deported even after a strong campaign to ensure that he was not. But at every stage of the game, he stood on principle. Not on wealth. Not on the question of a thirst and lust for power. But on principle. And Mr. Drago, to the extent that our leaders in whatever field are governed by principle, governed by service, governed by honesty, integrity, and sincerity, to the extent that they seek to make a difference in the lives of people, to the extent that they seek to improve the lot of the people, then we can look at that shining city called leadership and say proudly, we have arrived. But these are my final parting words to you. Thank you so much, and great parting words indeed. And and um, listeners, to me, what stood out was was the impact of servant leadership, and some of some of the comments that we got from the audience seemed to to resonate with that. That someone seeking leadership should not be seeking, and I'm paraphrasing, but should not be seeking to separate themselves from the people that they seek to lead. They they they, they seek. They should seek to be part of the people, within the people, among the people, and show by example the way in which they want the community or the people to proceed. And, and so, Dr. Andre, I thank you so much for your inspirational comments tonight. Um, we learned. We learned a lot. And we cannot speak too much about the importance of leadership. We cannot speak too much about the the requirement that leaders be in touch with the people, especially in, in, in our culture, in the Caribbean, where where we grew up and, and everything is just organic and grassroots. Um, it's, it, a leader should feel comfortable where he doesn't have to feel like he has to travel with an entourage for protection or for, for whatever other reason. When that happens, that in itself should be an indication that maybe the style of leadership might need adjustment. You should not be afraid of the people that you lead, especially not in the culture of the Caribbean. You should be able to lead up the, the society into a way, place where violence is not the norm, where you have to feel afraid for your safety. And so, one more time, I want to say I really appreciate having you on the program. Um, it Took us took me a few years to get you here. I hope it doesn't take me that length of time to get you back because I think there's so much ground that we could still cover. And so I wish you well. I wish you stay safe, you and your family, in in this in this times, perilous times, and that you and I look forward to your continued um, your continued uh, contribution 
I know I'm overindulging on the on the producers, but um, I listened to a program on Q95 on Sunday. I think it was a replay of a program from last Tuesday, where uh, an organization was launched, um, something about civil liberties. And so I know that wasn't the topic, and but I I I I, I want you to just introduce the, to my audience um, what that organization is supposed to do. You can come back and we can have a more detailed conversation about it, but I think it's a golden opportunity to to mention to them that organization that was that was recently launched and and what are the aspirations and the goals of that organization. Well, th thank you very much yet again, uh, Mr. Drago. Uh, the organization was launched. Uh, let me indicate that, that many of us abroad, um, irrespective of your background, we believe that we should make an effort to assist in any way possible to make the lives of Dominicans who are aggrieved, who are seeking redress, to enable them to do so. So we formed an organization, a charitable organization, to raise funds to assist persons, persons who, for example, whose rights have been violated, um, causes, it's almost like the ACLU, where constitutional chart um, applications or challenges could be mounted, where there is a clear and blatant violation of the constitution. We have made an effort to do so because again, we feel that we can't sit on our hands and we feel that this is not an example of the prodigal son who is sent away. Here's something I found on the and who according to wikipedia.org, the parable of the prodigal son, also known as the <laughs> brothers. Yes. My, my, um, whatever you call it. But the parable of the prodigal son who wasted the wealth and the resources given to him by his wealthy father abroad and who came back penniless. We feel that we have to set a different paradigm. We, because again, there was a lesson in that in parable. So we feel that on the contrary, those of us who've made much of what was given to us, we have to send back and assist those who unfortunately need a helping hand. The lepers of the day, the prostitutes of the day, who have no champion for their causes and for their plights. Again, we cannot save Dominican on our own, but we can hopefully plant a seed to assist those in need. Because you know the old saying, Mr. Drago, it is the weakest, the strength of the chain lies in its weakest link. Weakest link, right. And we have to remedy that as best as we can. So that in essence, in quick summary, represents the justification and the genesis of this organization. Um, a number of Dominicans have contributed to it. Mr. Sheridan Gregoire has taken the lead, and we host, hope to raise funds to help Dominicans on the ground. And I'm very much honored to be part of that process, although my contribution, quite frankly, is not anything that one can talk about. So what's the name of the organization? Um, I it's don't... Something to do with civil liberties. Some, 
Okay, the nature we'll island, the essence is the nature islands, N D I L F, something to that effect. Something like that. Nature Island Civil Liberties um, That's right. organization, something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. So great initiative. Um, and although you humbly say that your contribution is um your your contribution is is is, is not much to talk about. I'm, I, I am pretty sure that that is not the case. I listened to your your contribution to the launch discussion during the launching. And so I just wanted to give the listeners a primer. Um, I, I I definitely want you back as my guest. I, I hope you I hope you had enough of a, a good experience tonight that you will that you will come back. <laughs> um, and we will talk about some of those other activities. Maybe you'll bring some some other one or two other people from the board of that organization to to really go into detail um, because we do have an engaged um, audience. On, on TDN and also on this week's interview. So, so I wish you all the best and I wish all the listeners all the best. Thank you and good evening to your listeners, uh, each and every one of them, whether or not they agree with everything I say, that is not the point. The point is that we can express our views without fear of retribution, because that is the essence of democracy. Thank you very much and good night, Mr. Drago. Good night, Dr. Andre. Thank you, uh, sir. Thank you to your listeners. Bye. The listeners, there you had it. Um, really awesome discussion with, with Dr. Andre. And I, I really thank you, the audience, for your animated um, discussion and, and participation and contribution. Because that is what we have to do. We have to engage. And we have to be able to engage on issues that's going to rise everybody's boat whether we may have slight ideological differences or political affiliations or whatever at the end of the day i am certain that all of us uh, our objectives would be to to raise um the whole quality of life of dominicans of the caribbean people of citizens of the world so that we can feel safe so that and i see I see um, Covert saying that there, there's a lot of deranged people and therefore leaders have to protect themselves. But I, but I think that is, a, that is a symptom and a product of a type of society that we should be working to reverse. Um, so the indication that, that that is necessary is what I'm putting forward, I think, um, is an indication that we need to do something slightly different. But, um, of course, the person who in the kitchen is who's feeling the heat, and if you're a leader and you feel like you need that type of protection, by all means, um, because our society is a little bit more complex, a little more sophisticated. But, um, listeners, uh, good night and stay safe. Uh, you know, I, I, I will not leave without telling you, make sure that you, that you think carefully about your choices in terms of how you care for yourself and your family with COVID um, because it's still with us and we want all of you to remain as safe as possible. So good night listeners, we'll do this again next week Wednesday. Good night.